0: SafetyFM.com with Jay Allen. Changing safety cultures, one broadcast and one podcast at a time.
1: Welcome to Safety FM, where we talk about safety that's truly inspired by you. Hello and welcome to Safety FM, this episode of the broadcast and the podcast has been brought to you by Safety Focus Moment. They're consultants that wanna help you get to the safety culture that you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Hello and welcome to Safety FM, episode 38. This is Jay Allen. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Mark Garner, CEO of Avatar Management Services. Mark takes an approach to safety very uncommon to most. And what exactly do I mean by that? Mark takes a different approach on not making safety boring and making it something that people will be interested in and entertaining as they're learning about these new methods of safety. Please enjoy today's conversation with Mark Gardner, CEO of Avatar Management Services here on Safety FM. safety
0: cultures, one broadcast and one podcast
1: at a time. Mark, I appreciate you coming on to the show today. I have to tell you, I've been dealing with Derek in regards of going back and forth and trying to get this set up. So I really appreciate you actually being able to come on. How are you? I'm
2: great. And thanks for having me here, DJ.
1: So I normally like to start off asking the very important question, why safety? How did you start how did this path come about? And let me kind of just go back for a moment and really just reference that I have found you years ago kind of in a strange way because I worked for a pretty big privately owned uh, transit company. And we did some work with your company, Avatar Management Services. So how did you get involved in the business?
2: Well, we we did and still do a lot of work with that company. Um, if we go back to my pedigree, if you don't mind, I'll start in my 20s when I got into training. And like that old Saturday Night Live skit when, you know, Eddie Murphy used to say baseball has been very good to me, well, trucking was very good to me. I, uh, I enjoyed a meteoric career, I went through outbound and inbound supervisor jobs, city dispatch operations manager, system manager, terminal manager, all in the span of seven years. And uh, I would like to think I was really smart and worked really hard, but truth is I was in the right place at the right time. And sometimes that makes a big difference in how your career goes. Anyway, by the time I was 32, I was running one of the biggest freight terminals in the country, and we were getting pretty good results, and I figured the sky was the limit. But uh, in 84, there was this big shakeup, and my, my regional vice president got uh, demoted. He, in turn, bumped the regional manager, who, in turn, bumped me, and I said, well, what am I going to do? I'm sitting here in Anchor's Town without a job, and they handed me a uh, ticket to Jacksonville, Florida, and said, Fly down there and talk to Leo Sucks. He's got some of them ideas for you. And I go down to this interview, and I'm real arrogant and young and thinking, Oh, man, I'm going to be a high level ops position. And I sit down, and Leo goes, I'd like you to take over safety. And you could hit me with a two by four at that point because our opinion of safety people in the trucking world in the 80s was they were kind of duds. They were old truck drivers who drove around at a Bonneville and a radar gun with him and talked to truck drivers at diners and things. And I said, Leo, what did I do to piss everybody off here? And he says, well, I got to tell you, we're spending over $38 million a year on losses. We have 1,800 open work comp claims. We have 350 people on total 10. We killed 28 people last year. And I think somebody could bring in a little bit of creativity like you and do something about that. And he went on to explain to me, that safety wasn't all about DOT regulations and compliance and logbooks and lug nuts, but rather it was behavioral. And then in his opinion, the whole industry had it wrong. The whole industry thought safety was all about DOT compliance. And in fact we had just the company had just won the president's ATA trophy. And at first I was thinking, well there's nowhere to go but down. And he said, No, there's nowhere to go but up. We're spending six cents on the dollar on losses. And if you came in, figured out why and how people got hurt or why they had accidents and maybe came up with something. Um, actually, he, he jokingly says, well, don't you, you can stand at the end of the gate. And when the trucks get ready to pull out, jump on the cab and holler at them to be safe." <laughs> I said, well, I'm not sure how that'd be very effective. We have uh, 500 terminals out there. Uh, but the long and the short of it was within two years, we had reduced losses by 13.4 million. And this is at a time when trucking was struggling and we were no different than other companies. Uh, We too were struggling. And so our PR group was spinning all kinds of articles about the success and safety. And suddenly I was on the cover of fleet owner and CCJ being interviewed for transport topics. And uh, I got the attention of some folks who cared about trucking safety. That's a fairly small circle. And uh, I got recruited by Progressive Insurance in 1987 and, and while there i headed up something actually created something called share the world with trucks and i'm very proud that to this day that campaign continues on but in the early days we took about three million dollars of seed money from ata AAA, and 3m and built out a public relations campaign teaching people about, you know, blind spots and don't cut in front of trucks in a construction zone, etc. And even to this day, you'll see stickers on the back of the trucks that I can't see you. Or if I can't, if you can't see me, I can't see you kind of thing. And that continues on. Um, so that's how I got into safety. I, I, I was working at Progressive. I was heading up a fairly sizable department of 50 safety people. And we were analyzing truck and bus operations and deciding whether or not they were insurable or not.
1: So, how did they come to the determination saying you're going from X role to all of a sudden you're the correct guy for safety? I mean, how did they know that you would be such a good fit?
2: I I had a reputation, and this goes, you have to go back to the days in which the Teamsters had a stranglehold on the trucking industry, and there was an adversarial relationship between management and the workers and I had a different approach. I, I, I believe that if I just gave them the tools and listened to them and got out of their way, they would actually perform better. And while I was at Allentown and for 9 months and then subsequently at Hagerstown for 13 months, which they sound like both places, but they're really good trucking facilities there. Anyway, there were two of the biggest facilities in the company. And at both locations, we broke every record in the history of both Ryder and PIE. And they came to blame that on me. And I, I don't won't I want to take all the blame, but I'll take some of the credit and say, you know, we put in place some pretty good relations with the men, and I'm going to say men because it was 99.9, well, it was 100% men. <laughs> and, and we got along and they got their work done. And so Leo saw in me, a young creative spirit that might come up with new and different ways to address safety that had nothing to do with rules and regulations or punishments and warning letters, or even little pins and patches you put on your lapel, and rather came up with more of a behavioral approach to identifying why does someone get up in the morning and have an accident? And certainly we agree, no one intends to have an accident. By definition, it's an unplanned event. Uh, but we do, and people do have those accidents, and and I began to study why they have those accidents, and what could I do to intervene? What could I do to reduce the likelihood that they would get hurt or have a collision?
1: So when you start going through that path, how do you make the determination that you are able to do these things to lower, I guess we'll say, the accident rate in this in this occasion?
2: Well, Again, I I think you asked me why he chose me for the role. I I think when I became available through this change of operation, (laughs) suddenly they got this young kid who's like a hard-charging ops kid. I was 33 at the time, and uh, I was like, I I think I was in the right place at the right time. Number one, number two, I had worked hard, I was creative, and I got good numbers. And he had basically a, a Gordian knot on his hand; he had a big problem. And I think he looked around and he said, this kid might be able to help solve the problem. And quite frankly, I had no background in safety. I had no knowledge of safety. I mean, I held safety meetings as a manager, but but that's not the same. Um, And when I got in the job, quite honestly, I, I, I remember distinctly, I sat in my office. I was like real proud of myself. I'm working in the general office now, reporting to the president. And I'm thinking, what the heck did I get myself into? And then I, I got up and I started doodling on my whiteboard saying, why do people have accidents? No one does this, no one breaks their arm on purpose. No one runs into another car on purpose. What really is going on there? And my education and training was as a mechanical engineer. And so using a kind of a scientific approach or a problem solving approach, I began to peel back, why do people have accidents? And at first I came to the conclusion that many accidents are innocent mistakes. People don't know any better, or they don't notice something, they stub their toe, bang their head, uh, fall in a hole, whatever. Uh, and then I also concluded that a lot of accidents happen when people make bad choices. Uh, they choose a short-term, immediately uh, evident reward, like getting there on time, but they don't think through the ramifications of their behavior. They don't realize that, oh, I could get a speeding ticket, I could run off the road, or I could run into somebody. Um, And if we look at all the collisions, and I I primarily focus on vehicular accidents, if we look at what goes on out on the roads today, people make a lot of bad choices. They text while driving, they speed, they follow too closely, they change lanes without signaling, and of course they're doing that because they're on their damn cell phone. Uh, And so people are making a lot of bad choices, and I would say that's the lion's share of collisions out there today. Um, If someone makes an innocent mistake, If they honestly just don't know how to maintain a safe following distance, or they don't know to get out and look before they back up, we can educate and train them. But if people are making bad choices, it's really tough to change that behavior. We have to come up with some compelling evidence for them to say, look, if you keep doing this, it's only a matter of time before you're going to clobber somebody or hurt yourself.
1: So when you first start doing the safety aspect, how do you all of a sudden go of looking at this almost like a punishment in regards of getting the position to some extent, and then all of a sudden you becoming passionate about it? How did you all of a sudden go? This is a kind of something that I want to look into, and we'll get. And once we go further down this conversation, we're going to talk about some of the great things that you guys do and how you approach safety. But we'll leave that a little bit later because I'm really impressed with some of the videos that I've seen um, and been able to interact with um, with your company. But how does this actually start?
2: Great. It's a great question, too, because while I think I was um, hmm, passionate, the right word, I, I, I was excited about the new opportunity and I was excited to move the needle. And when we started to get some successes under our belt. I was excited for the accolades. I mean, here I am reporting, I'm, Saturday morning, we have these executive meetings and all the VPs would be there and, and uh, people would be reporting all kinds of numbers that weren't always that good. And my numbers kept getting better and better. And so on the one hand, I was happy about having the opportunity, um, even though to your, to your point, yes, I was initially kind of, why am I going to safety? Um, but I got excited as we started to have success and started to get a little bit more attention and I felt like I was moving the needle. But the truth is, the real passion for me came three years, four years, five years later. After I left Progressive and started my little company called Star at the time, it became Avatar a couple of years later. But we were focused in on providing expert guidance, consulting, uh, help with trucking and bus companies to reduce losses. And within the first month of being in business, uh, we were putting together a conference table and the lights went out. Uh, well, Why the lights go out? Well, I was so innocent and so uh, I was such a not business person, basically that so I go to the next door neighbor. Their lights are on. I go to the next door neighbor. Their lights are on. I go to the landlord. I go, "Why are my lights out?" He goes, "Well, did you pay your deposit on the electric bill?" I go, well, "I didn't even know I needed to." So I, I grab a, a. We don't even have checks yet. We're only been in business for six weeks, and so I grab a personal check from my partner. I jump in the car and drive from Macedonia to Kent, Ohio, famous for Kent State, of course. And on my way back from making that deposit, uh, I come over a hill, I'm going 45 miles an hour, it's a two lane road with a double yellow line, and there's a gray cougar coming straight at me at about 80 miles an hour. Now I've actually created before this, I created a course on what to do when somebody's in your lane and about to hit you, and that is, you'll go immediately to the right, which I did, I behaved in the way that I had taught, but I didn't do it fast enough. And so he clipped my rear left fender, and I spun out and hit a dump truck head on at about a 50, 60 mile an hour impact. Needless to say, that that was a bad afternoon. Um, it took about an hour and a half to cut me out of the car where they life lighted me to uh, Cleveland Metro, where they gave me less than a 1% chance to live. Uh, meanwhile, ironically, my partners are in the dark because the lights are out. There are no cell phones and they don't know where I am. And no one finds out until about 11 that night that I'm probably not going to make it. Uh, And they're kind of bummed because they quit jobs to join me. And so I did live through that. And I remember distinctly friends coming to visit me in the hospital. I should say that I broke both my legs and my arm in 11 places, nine ribs, collarbone, foot, toe. I can't remember, feet, hands. Everything was crushed. My lung was crushed. I had embolisms. It was terrible. And people will come to the hospital and they go, you're so lucky. <laughs> and of course, they've got me on the side or whatever, and I'd say, lucky, what are you talking about, lucky? You know, I just got hit by a dump truck. And they would say, yeah, but you lived. <laughs> and so I, I kind of became much more passionate after that event, that's a life-changing event that not too many people fortunately have to go through. But as I got better, I said, You know, maybe there was a reason I live. Maybe I should even become more invested in this thing called safety and maybe I can do something in my remaining years to make the world a little bit safer place. And so while we had already been in safety, while we created a company for safety, um, the stakes were suddenly much, much higher and our passion for safety became much greater.
1: Mark, I did not even know that 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 had occurred to you, and just listening to that, and then all of a sudden having a one percent chance of living, and then all of a sudden you're still sticking with doing safety. I can't even envision that whole that whole thing occurring, and what must have been going through your mind during that standpoint of this is the stuff that I teach. You're doing, you know, the stuff that you're teaching, and all of a sudden it still didn't work out work out well at that particular standpoint. It's like I'm I'm talking to a I'm I'm talking to a miracle here, so wow I, so how long how long were you out in, t- in total
2: I, I was in bad shape for quite a while uh, you know <laughs> I think the biggest bummer was I couldn't drink for a year because I was on this, <laughs> these blood medications for my lungs I, was, I couldn't have a beer I was so bummed uh, but, but I got back to work I don't know after a few months and uh, you know I, I I couldn't drive I had on both legs you know it was hard enough to even go to the bathroom <laughs> but anyway um, I I, I, I redoubled my efforts, and I said, what can we do? And so at the time, we were working with uh, several very, very big companies. Am I allowed to name names? I don't even know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go right ahead. The only thing is, I normally try not to name companies that I've worked for, just I don't want to cause any kind of weird commotion. Okay.
2: Okay. Well, in one case, this company's not even around anymore. We worked for the Laidlaw. At the time, had about 20,000 drivers in in school buses. and had about 5,000 drivers in garbage trucks. And we developed stuff that you've seen before, which is safety, education and training materials to try and reduce losses. We helped develop selection and hiring systems to ferret out unsafe or risky applicants so that we would only hire people who wouldn't take too much risk. And we developed various leadership and supervisory educational materials for them to teach their people how to actually observe behavior, identify, hey, wait a second, that guy's about to get hurt, walk up, confront the person, and correct the behavior before it's repeated so many times that it leads to a tragedy. And so we had a lot of success in the early days with Laidlaw and then American Medical Response and then Greyhound Lines uh, and Baker Hughes and some really, really big, big companies who were able to afford the development of custom materials. And in the past eight or nine years, I have since formed six other companies, each serving different markets. So I, I formed the School Bus Safety Company and it serves school bus districts, TAPCO, which serves transit and paratransit companies, Public Service Safety, which takes care of, uh, uh, not companies, but rather governmental fleets like cities and villages that have little white pickup trucks driving around. We've got Avatar Fleet, which serves the trucking market, and then Avatar, oh, I'm sorry, Avesta, which serves EMS and uh, medical transportation, and then Avatar, the parent corp, we've been around now 28 years, it still works with the big dogs the great big billion dollar companies who want customer stuff but all along there's been one common theme and that is what can we do to improve or what can we do to influence the behaviors of drivers while they're driving so that we reduce the frequency of accidents and in some cases yes we've worked in shops and factories and worked on injury reduction as well but the truth is if we look back at the government's effort to, to try and make the world a safer place, um, OSHA has been pretty effective at reducing risk in manufacturing and restaurants and things like that. And FAA has been pretty effective in aviation. The DOT, for all its efforts and all its millions and lines of rules and regulations, has done very little to improve safety on our highways. Um, the fact is, people don't abide by rules. In fact, people break rules. I imagine people on this podcast probably went over the speed limit in the past week. We all do. Um, And so rules don't really influence behavior. Rather, norms and uh, moments of illumination, such as hitting a dump truck, influence your behavior. And you say, well, I don't want to do that again. I better be more careful. And so most of our work has been focused in on human behavior and what can we do to either avoid risky humans, meaning in the hiring process, don't hire people that take too much risk, or get them aligned with a vision that says, this is why we exist. We exist to make the world a safer place. We exist to get our passengers to where they need to go without harm. We exist to make sure that we get our load delivered without hurting someone along the way. Um, And then educate and train them so that they know what to look for, what to do and how to do it in a way that doesn't put them at risk.
1: And we'll be back right after this here on Safety FM. This portion of the broadcast and the podcast has been sponsored by Avatar Management Services. They exist to make the roads safer. They proudly offer Triple LC Defensive Driving System. Triple LC is the most modern and effective professional driving training system in the world. And in just a few days, you can certify your best trainers to become Triple LC Certified Instructors. Triple LC is more rigorous than other defensive driving systems, and it has stringent criteria to qualify for certification. However, it's easier to learn and quickly gets your people back to productive work. The simplicity and ease to remember is what makes the process work. This saves you time and money. Once applied through commentary driving, the principles are quickly habituated, resulting in fewer accidents and injuries. Triple LC has been around for over a decade. Over that time, Avatar Management Services has certified over 60 master trainers, thousands of instructors, and over half a million drivers. Triple LC instructors and driver certification is high-impact learning that positively changes behaviors on the road without major disruption to your operation. Avatar Management Services provide everything you need to achieve complete success. To schedule a personalized webinar or to sign up for triple LC instructor certification, visit www.avatarfleet.com or call 888-758-4842. That's www.avatarfleet.com or call 888-758-4842. Say, look ahead, look around, leave room and communicate three times and you'll have it memorized. Together with Avatar Management Services, you can make the roads a safer place, one driver at a time. We are back with Mark Gardner here on Safety FM. I have to tell you, when I I sit here and I I listen to you, and you just have so much knowledge and the things that you've incorporated in the different companies and kind of just breaking them apart also at the same time, when you decide to start developing these different companies and these different systems, because that's what I'll call it, how do you decide to go with the behavior-based safety style opposed to, let's say, some of the other things that are out there currently, like the human organizational performance, or let's even say like the Six Sigma style or anything to that extent?
2: Well, I wouldn't say that we don't, right? We take a very holistic look at an organization when we're looking to improve safety and risk. And while behavior-based safety is a tool that we use, um, organizational structure, reporting, we we look at an organization much like, like an investment group might decide whether or not they want to buy the company. I mean, when we do one of our compass analyses, it's... The report is three or four hundred pages long. It's an incredibly deep dive, not only into the organizational structure, but all of the processes that they use to manage their workforce, whether they be hiring and training or the way they pay people or the way they communicate with their people or how often they meet with their people. We study their values and we decide whether or not they're actually managing to their values, whether they're looking for behaviors that manifest those values. you know, it, it, it's, it's not just behavioral safety, but going back to the point of having different niche companies, um, well, a lot of it's built on the same IP. I mean, driving a vehicle hopefully, involves some very basic premises of look ahead, look around, leave room, and communicate to others. We've built defensive driving around that. but But doing it in a school bus is fundamentally different than doing it in a tractor-trailer. And so what we've done in order to serve those markets is to create unique products for each market that feature their vehicles, their jargon, their drivers, and their particular situations. Only because, in my opinion and in my experience, we, we, we going all the way back to Progressive, we created a great course to prepare people for the CDL. Remember when CDL licenses came out in 88, for the government said you had to have them, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. The government says... But I, okay, I do. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. They say you got to have a CDL. And we created an amazing program using, at that time, a, a technology called LaserDisc. And so it was, oh, it was yes. a great big giant chrome disc that played videos. And, and, and we were using this uh, IBM, it was called InfoDoc. It was a touchscreen monitor. And, of course, today we take that for granted all our Phones are touchscreen, for crying out loud. But in those days, in 1988, a touchscreen monitor was a really cool thing. And so we created a course to prepare people to pass the cdl written exam at a time when half the country was failing that exam. And we had near 99% success rates with these people, but it was built for uh, trucks. It was built for truck drivers because that was a large part of our people we insured at Progressive. And so we showed this to some bus drivers and we said, if you go through this, you can get ready for your CDL and you'll pass it, no problem. And you would not believe, they would just almost reject it. They would just stand up and walk away and say, I don't haul cantaloupes. People's life depend on me. And what we, the, the lesson that we learned from that is, we couldn't use a different type of vehicle to teach the same concept because we were out of order. They would say, well, I drive a bus or I drive a limo or I drive a taxi cab. And don't show me this truck driver training because it doesn't work for me. Even if we argued the point that the learning points were the same, they wouldn't accept us. And so we learned early on that we had to make media and curricula and educational materials that looked a lot like their workplace, their vehicles and their situational demands. And even when you worked at that past company that you didn't name, um, everything was customized to them, their logos, their buses, you know, their people, their uniforms. Uh, so that it looked like, hey, that's what I do for a living and they are more likely to accept the training then.
1: Well, I have to tell you when i um, prior to actually walking into that particular organization, I had seen some training videos from other companies and they told me that when I started that I had to go through their training and they had training videos and nothing against Walter Cronkite. But I kept on thinking we're going to have Walter Cronkite sitting behind a table and somebody's going to be telling me, oh, don't do this, don't do that. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And the approach that Avatar actually takes in regards of actually doing the videos, I considered it infotainment. I was entertained, but it was giving me valuable lessons at the same time. And keep in mind that that vehicle operator course um, that you actually start off with, it's kind of lengthy, but it really does attract the attention. So how did you make the determination that that was the approach to go with?
2: You know, it's interesting because the one that you were familiar with is, I, I, would, I won't say I'm embarrassed by it, but it's eight years old now, it needs updated, but, but we've actually moved to a term called edutainment, mm-hmm. and we like to build out edutaining or educational stories, so we'll have backstories with actors and actresses who play particular roles in the audience, or actually in this case the trainees, if you will, become familiar with them much as they would become familiar with the TV show in the evening. And let's face it, people watch TV and they come to work the next day and around the water cooler and they talk about the plot. Uh, I'm old, so I'll go back to the days of Seinfeld when we all sit there and redo all the Seinfeld jokes at lunch. But but people are like fish to water when they can watch or listen to or hear a story. And so we will weave in safety concepts and principles into a story. Uh, recently, we did one where, the, you know, the... There's a crew of people who are all working together. And one of the guys is a race car driver on the weekend. He does stock car races at a speedway. And so they all go to the speedway and they watch him at this race car. And somebody cuts him off and he spins out and wrecks. And the next morning, they're all in the lunchroom talking about how he got hosed and taken advantage of by the other guy. And that leads to a conversation of following distance and space management. And so it's, just, it, it's more entertaining than somebody just sitting at a desk saying, always leave five seconds of following distance i mean it's like no one's going to pay attention to that but people will remember something that either makes them laugh or gives them anxiety or concerns it's no different than going to high school your best teachers were either really really nasty mean people who you were afraid of or they were really engaging and friendly and helpful to you but the ones who just droned on What was that one scene you know the wonder years, <laughs> the guy would just drone on at the front of the classroom and everybody would be falling asleep. Those are ineffective teachers. And so we try and make it entertaining because we think
1: that that helps make it stick longer. Well, there's one that still sticks out in my mind and I think about it all the time. And it was really more of a, it was like a monthly safety message that was sent out. And it was this guy that was going behind vehicles and he's yelling the word goal. And I mean like screaming the word goal. <laughs> I remember that one vividly. And he's
2: blowing this horn.
1: Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm like, why is this guy screaming? Goal! And, and it's probably like a, a minute or so in regards of him doing this to multiple people, but it causes them to to get out of their vehicle and look. And it's get out and look. And that one sticks with me so much. And what I love is how the the video clip ends, um especially with the guy coming out and he goes. What do you think I'm doing? You've been doing this all week. And it's just amazing on how it took the approach, but it sticks out with me. And it was years ago that I've heard it, but every time that I get the opportunity and I know that it's actually on your website and I still reference it to people when I talk to them, I'm like, you need to take a look at this particular video if you get a chance because on how, you know, how interactive, I'll say interactive and annoying it is, but it's one of those things that it captures into your mind of, I need to remember to do this.
2: Yeah, annoying is one of the options. <laughs> I don't know if I want them all to be annoying. But well, no, it, it does work and we get a lot
1: of comments on it. Right, and, I, and I'm using that one in particular because that's the way that the, that the approach was and it's and it sticks out and I, and there were and there's been some that were um very they're very vivid. There, there's the one with the little girl on the on the big wheel or tricycle and the car backing up. Yeah, and I mean it's very emotional and it, it really brings, you know, Brings attention to some of the things that you really need to be paying attention to when you're a vehicle operator. Because let's just be realistic, a lot of times we jump in the vehicles, we hit the thing in reverse, we don't have the car facing forward, and we just move on and really don't clear anything, or we depend sometimes on how well this little camera thing that's now inside of my car is going to work out, and really don't pay that close attention on what's going on. So some of the approaches that your company has taken in regards of bringing safety to the forefront in a different method, opposed to here read a book or somebody telling you something in regards of like the newscaster style I would just really appreciate the approach that you've taken
2: so thank th- you and so the other some of our designs today are also to reduce well to significantly change the way we deliver learning today in in the past you'd sit in a classroom for weeks on end and then go out and learn on the course and then go out and do btW instruction behind the wheel and and today we're trying to integrate the learning closer to the uh, skill to be learned. And so if you think how we learn how to play a guitar, or we learn how to golf, someone holds the club and says, hold your elbow straight, and here's how you put your hands, and then you copy their behavior. Uh, but that's not how people often teach driver or safety or defensive driving. They make you watch these videos. And so today what we're doing is creating micro learnings in which we push little one and two minute videos to a cell phone or a device that an instructor can have out in the field with the vehicle or in the yard you know doing a pre-trip let's say and they can show just a two or three minute clip we can model and copy the behavior we can ask and answer two or three quick questions and then move to the next little micro learning burst and it's just a more efficient way and also leads to better outcomes uh, and we're just changing because of the technology available today we're just changing the way that we approach the development of new people becoming professional drivers. And we're having a lot of success with it. Um, we, we've got a very modern defensive driving protocol now, I mentioned it before, Triple LC, uh, that literally we, we had to convince Greyhound to use another system for 50 years. Um, and for I won't bring up the reasons why, but they had to move away from that system. And they called and they said, what have you got? And I said, well, I really don't have anything that's mm, all encompassing and uh, in, in a package deal. And I worked on it over a couple of weekends, and I came back and I said, look, I think these ideas about defensive driving can all be synthesized into a few basic concepts. You really need to look ahead 15 seconds so you're not surprised. You need to look around every two or three seconds so you know what's going on around you. In a perfect world, you need to leave room on all six sides of your vehicle. And if you did that, you won't have a collision, by the way. And then lastly, you have to communicate your intent to the other guy so that he's not surprised. And that kind of grew into triple lc look ahead look around leave room and communicate and within a month we had 500 greyhound instructors reciting triple lc backwards and forwards like it was the gospel and every time they would would give them a little pin and we'd give them a little reward but it became part of the culture and so triple lc has now been taught to more than two million professional drivers in the past 15 years and just in the past year we have started to actually go out and certify instructors who in turn can certify drivers in triple LC. And I would argue that it's easier to remember, faster to learn, and just much more elegant than any other system out there. And we're very, very proud of that system.
1: And Mark, I have to, I have to tell you, if people are interested in becoming a triple LC instructor or if they're more interested in getting more information about Avatar, what would they need to do?
2: I'd just come to the website. And thats it's interesting, I'm an old man, and I don't know things like SEO and SEF and all these <laughs> figures and terms, but these young pups who work for me have blown out a website that is really second to none in terms of content. I'm, you mentioned the goal video. If people came to our website, they would not only have access to several dozen free videos, and many people download those and use them in safety meetings, and I'm glad about that, but there are more than two or three hundred informative articles and blogs there. There are a dozen white papers that are exhaustive, deep dives into things like the perversion of safety or, you know, become the best in the class or, uh, or or black swans. I mean, there's some great white papers there that if people just downloaded them and read them, I honestly believe, in fact, I know for a fact, it would advance their careers. And so if they just go to the website, they're going to gather a lot
1: of information. And if while they're there, they say, hey, I would really
2: like to investigate this triple L C thing. Mm, great. They can click on the button and find out more.
1: Okay. Well, Mark, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to put a backlink on our website and we'll also put a, we'll put your website inside of the description of the podcast right here. And I really feel that we need to continue this conversation. So if you don't mind, at some point, I would love to have you back, come back on and really kind of continue this discussion. I would love to. and I Mark, I really appreciate the time here on being on Safety FM.
2: Thank you very much, Jay. I think what you're doing is really terrific. Let's keep it up. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast,
1: Jay Allen.
0: Join the fun, join the fun on social media and find us on Facebook at Safety FM. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next.